Today, as we study God's Word together, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter number 19, verses 1 through 10 mainly is where we're going to be. We're going to be looking at a man named Zacchaeus. But before we begin, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all that we can learn from it. Lord, help us not to just learn it for the sake of knowledge, but Lord, help us to study your word that we might become better uh, better equipped to serve you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter number 19, and starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the, uh, behold Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he is also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, there's a lot of things we can learn from these 10 verses, uh, things we can learn about Zacchaeus, things we can learn about uh, the Lord and about ourselves. First of all, we, we must notice Zacchaeus, his job and his social status. Being the chief publican allowed Zacchaeus the ability to gain power and wealth through that job. He was a tax collector for the Romans. Publicans were notorious for cooking the books and skimming a little off the top for themselves. This is probably why all the people murmured when Jesus went to his home in verse number 7. I mean, who, who, really, really, who really loves the tax man? Come on. Verse 2, we find his wealth. That's something else we have to notice. The Bible says he was rich. Now, the Bible specifies certain details about people's lives many times. Sometimes the Bible will say somebody was very beautiful or very fat. Uh, but here, the Bible says that this man was rich. I would say he's pretty, pretty wealthy if, if God says he's rich. Now, the problem that Zacchaeus had was though his job and his wealth could have made him a big man in, in the town, he was a little man in the eyes of the people. Physically, we know he was short because verse 3 tells us he was of little stature. Consider also that his job, social status, and riches, they couldn't get him a front row seat to see Christ. No one let him through. It's nice to know that God doesn't just care about perfectly formed, fit, pretty people. He cares about us all. He's, not with, he's without respect of persons. This man, though he had the job, though he had the wealth, though he may have had some status, none of those things made anybody let him through to see what he wanted to see. On that same note, we must notice his desire. Though he was a sinner, though his profession was of bad reputation, and though he had obstacles in his way in him being of little stature and nobody letting him through, this man put forth more effort than anyone in that crowd that we know of to catch a glimpse of Jesus Christ, and Christ rewarded him for it with a personal meeting. We ought to be striving to seek out God. Christ's message to Zacchaeus. If you remember, Zacchaeus was bragging about how he gives away half his goods to the poor and how he restores people and, and all that he does with his money. And Christ's response, if you remember verses 9 and 10, just completely ignore what, what Zacchaeus says. 
I'll read it again. The Bible says in verse 9, of course, we'll back up to verse 8. The Bible says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord just completely ignores Zacchaeus is bragging and boasting on himself and points back to himself. The Lord points to himself saying, salvation has come to this house. I've come to seek and save what, that which was lost. He fights through the noise of, of Zacchaeus' pride and, uh, and he just gives him exactly the message that every single person on earth needs and that is Jesus Christ is the Savior. So, so what can we learn? Well, first of all, the most obvious thing, wealth, job, social status, those things, they don't make you a big person. They make, make, they make, make you big in the eyes of vain people, but God, God is one who looks at more than that. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17 is one of many places where we find this truth. The Bible says, 1 Peter 1, 17, and you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. That phrase, without respect of persons, God is not a respecter of persons. He makes that so clear in his word. Uh, your wealth does not gain you any favor with God. Your social status does not gain you any favor with God. It is only your obedience to Christ and your faith and trust in Christ and your obedience to God's word. That is what gets you noticed by the Lord. Now, Matthew six twenty seven, the Bible says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Rich or poor, powerful or pitiful, we're all human. We have these limitations. I'm sure, I would say, I would guess, I, would, I, I can't say it with all certainty, but I would say that Zacchaeus probably wished he was a little taller. I mean, come on, don't, don't we all wish we were a little taller, or a little skinnier, a little stronger, you know, whatever, whatever we perceive as our lacking trait, we wish we could change that, but we cannot change that to some degree, uh, like height, we cannot change, and, and God can, God is, God is more powerful, God is above us all, he, he created us, he can make any change he wishes, and so though Zacchaeus had the wealth, the job, the social status, all these things, he couldn't make himself bigger. He couldn't make himself taller. He couldn't make himself respected. He couldn't, he couldn't buy his way to a front row seat to see Jesus Christ. We need to stop focusing so much on the things that, that worldly people value, power, wealth, authority, and start focusing on what God values, and that is obedience to him and his word. Second thing to notice is people who love Jesus will not always aid you in seeing the Savior. You think about all those people, they wanted to see the Lord, they desired to see the Lord. So did Zacchaeus, but nobody let him through. Nobody was willing to give up their place. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, you read of the disciples themselves, uh, the, the 12, uh, rejecting children, saying, oh, no, don't bother the master. And, and so we just see, not, ever, not always do you have somebody who loves the Lord treat you right and treat you in a way that brings you closer to God. Sometimes it is exactly the people who love the Lord that mess up and do something to, to keep people from being able to see the Lord in our lives. We're supposed to be a shining light on a hill. We're supposed to be um, that candlestick that, that shows forth God's glory through, through our good works and things and, and so that people can see Christ in us and Christ's love in us. But so often sometimes it's stories that we hear that 
there's a Christian is a reason I don't go to church. You know, I used to go to church, but that Christian hurt me. I used to go to church, but that Christian uh, did something uh, underhanded to me. And, and so we got to make sure that though we love the Lord, we got to make sure that we are not blocking anybody else from seeing the Lord. That's the opposite of what we should be doing. Third thing, uh, sometimes it takes some effort to see the Lord through the crowd. I mean, everything going on in our lives today, there's so much vying for our attention. And sometimes it's hard to see the Lord working through it all. Maybe a bad situation, bad relationship, heartache, sorrow, stress, whatever it could be, God is still there. Proverbs 15.3 tells us that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And and though, though it's written for Israel, uh, Psalm 121 gives great insight as to how God treats those who are his. And, and we can take great comfort in that. It takes some effort sometimes to understand and remember that God is still there even when we're going through some difficulties, uh, but we know that he is. When we desire to see Christ, he notices. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But if, it, if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The Bible's very clear. God is not hiding from people. God is not in the corner somewhere hoping we can't find him. God has revealed himself to us through his word, through his creation, the wonder that we see around us. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is that light with, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Everybody is born with some knowledge of God or that there is a God. And it has to be taught or trained out of them. And so now we see and we understand that when we desire to see Christ, when we desire to know more about God, he's not hiding from us. He's exactly where he's always been. He's in his word. We go to his word and we go to prayer and we seek out godly counsel and we, we can find God very easily because if we'll desire to find the Lord or if we'll desire to know the Lord better, he will match that desire by drawing closer to us himself. Fifth thing we can learn from this passage is the murmurs of the people had no effect on the plans of Christ. If you remember in the story when Christ said, "Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go abide with you today," everybody was murmuring and like complaining. Oh, he's going to hang out with a sinner. First of all, as if they're not sinners. I mean, come on, we're all sinners. Several times in the Gospels we read of people complaining that Christ is hanging out with sinners. Get over yourself. You're a sinner too. Now I get, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, some people are, are worse than others, I guess you could say, but, uh, but it, it doesn't change the fact that we're all sinners. And the murmurings of those people didn't sway Christ at all. He didn't acknowledge them at all. Christ is faithful. Faithful to those who desire to know him. He's faithful to those who are saved. He is faithful to his bride, the church, no matter what the world points out about her. Hebrews 13.5 is a blessed verse. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. That verse is such a blessing. Uh, sixth thing we can learn uh, from, from this passage, these ten verses about Zacchaeus, this idea of, well, what if I've been out of church for years? What if I've lived a terrible life? What if I've um, done wrong? Will God still seek me out? Will God still 
draw nigh to me if I draw nigh to him, even if I've already had a chance before, even if I've been in church and I've chosen to walk away, if I turn back to God, will he, will he reciprocate that? Will he turn back to me as well and draw nigh to me like he says in his word? Well, I would just point out to you or remind you of Romans chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Sometimes we get this backwards. You, you can't put, you can't put the, the cart in front of the horse, right? You've you got to have the horse pull in the cart. There's an order to things. And you cannot make somebody righteous and pure and clean and worthy of God before they're saved. It doesn't work that way. It can never work that way. And so we need to understand that even if we've fallen away from the Lord, even if we have uh, had some, some blemishes in our life and in our past, God knew exactly who we were when he saved us. God knew exactly what you've done when he chose to go to that cross. He died for the sins of the whole world, for all mankind forever. One sacrifice forever, for all sin. He knew us better than we know ourselves, and yet he still chose to go to that cross and die as a sacrifice for our sins. So you say, well, I've done this, I've done that. It doesn't matter. Now, yes, I understand it's bad. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be ashamed of it. But what I'm saying is don't let what you've done keep you from a, a proper relationship with God. Because though God does care about our sin, he is willing to forgive us of it if we'll seek him out and ask. Last thing I, I want to point out, because it's just so necessary in our lives so, so often, especially, I believe, as Americans, we have so much. Uh, we are so very often not thankful, or so very often we attribute what we have to our own abilities. I just want to point out to you that the bragging of Zacchaeus, it didn't impress Christ. In fact, like we said earlier, Christ didn't even acknowledge it. I mean, you talk about, you, you go to somebody you respect, somebody that you care about their opinion, you say, hey, I did this, what do you think? And their answer is nothing to do with what you just said. It's kind of demoralizing, right? Christ's answer was, hey, salvation has come to this house. I don't care what you do. I don't care about the 50% you give to the poor. I care about I am the savior of the world, and I'm come to seek to, and save that which was lost. We need to make sure that our message is not about us, but our message about, is about the Lord. There's a lot we can learn from this little guy, Zacchaeus, and I hope that something has been a blessing to you this morning. I hope you've learned something from the Word of God.